Welcome to the Way Ministries Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by the Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, let's get this started. <laughs> okay, welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out to get a portion of God's Word. Amen? First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior, as always, tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the ability to get here safely. All your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day, let us never lose sight of it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we can never, ever do for ourselves. All glory and honor goes to you. We're grateful for the people in the ministry, one body, many parts. As all of us have a function in the ministry to glorify God and to build his church. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study? And we will start this with a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, Abba Father, we're just so grateful and thankful tonight, Lord, that we have this opportunity together to worship you, to honor you, and to glorify you, Lord, and to learn more about you and your ways, Lord, and how you want us to live down here as we wait for your return, Lord. Give us the patience and the endurance we need, Lord, to carry out your will in our lives, Lord. Give us the ability to fulfill your purposes in our lives, Lord. Let us always try to put you first, Lord, as we all fight to try to do that, Lord, as the devil is always trying to hinder the ministry and the people in it, Lord. Let us always remember that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, Lord. And use that strength and power to glorify you, Lord, and to beat the devil as he's always trying to win. But we already know that we have the victory, Lord. And we're grateful for that, Lord. Let us always remember that all of our sins have been forgiven already, Lord. Never let us forget that, Lord, so we no longer have to continue living in them, Father. We're grateful for the people of the ministry as one body, many parts, Lord. And we're grateful for this message to go all over the world tonight, Lord, bringing salvation to someone through the sound of my voice, through your word, Lord. And as always, let all this be led by your spirit tonight, Father, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is he.
One body. We've got a lot of talent and ability here tonight. Awesome. I'm grateful to see everyone come out tonight. How's everybody doing? Okay. I hear, we, I hear somebody's um somebody's birthday today. Is that today somebody's birthday? Missy. Oh, that's right. It's Missy's birthday. Yeah. No, don't look the other way. I know it was you. Happy birthday, man. You don't look a day over twenty. <laughs> All right, we are going to continue in First Thessalonians. I just want to thank everyone who came out last night to the the meeting that we had to have with the town hall. Everything turned out well and positive. Just keep that all in prayer, as Jesus will always prevail. No man can tear down what God opens. Amen. 
He's going to try, though. The devil always tries. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11 tonight. Let's start over there. Let's see what we got here. Matthew chapter 11. Okay, let's back up to verse... Um, Verse 18. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taken over now as I go into these scriptures. So try to clear your mind to today's worries and problems and fill it with the Spirit so we can get a crystal clear message and hear what the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Amen. Right, try to stay focused now. A lot of important stuff to talk about. Okay. Where did I bring us back? To 18? Yeah. Okay. Okay. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other, sin and other sinners. So they were calling God a drunkard and a glutton, right? And a friend of tax collectors. Now this is what religion does. This is what religion does. It takes, we don't, no, no, they didn't even know who God was. They knew the principles, but they didn't know God. Now look what it says. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. You will know my people by their right. The result of any ministry is people's lives changing and then what? Starting to love one another unconditionally to stop tearing people down and to start building each other up. Amen? That's how you know the ministry people are starting to grow because they're getting taught the right stuff. Amen? Okay. Love is the key. Love is the answer. Love is the result of the right teaching. Okay. Now it says... Judgment for the unbelievers. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. What are you saying? They've seen Jesus' work. They've seen the miracles. And they still wouldn't change and turn to him. That's what he's saying. How many of us hear about Jesus, but they still never what? Change and change their life and go to him. It, it, it turned into a bunch of religion and church. I go to church and that's my religious duty and, that's, and God's happy with me. And look at verse 23. And you people of Capernaum, you'll be honored in heaven. Will you be honored in heaven? No. You will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on judgment day than you. Wow. 
So he's saying all the miracles that they've seen, and so, see, Sodom and Gomorrah didn't see Jesus' miracles. These people did. So they knew God had come down, and they knew that if they turned and repented to their sins, they would be okay. But he says, no, you're, judged, you're going to get judged harder than Sodom because you've seen it and rejected it. How many people see it and reject it now? That's the, 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 the same applies to anybody like that now. Now look at verse 25. At, the time, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you from hi for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever for, and for re revealing them to the child, like what's he saying? He says, thank you for hiding it from people that think they're so smart in their intellect that they can't figure out Jesus. He says, thank you for revealing it to the what? People that revealing them to the child like in faith. They go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm nothing. Teach me all over again. I'm empty. But people with intellect think that they, they think that they know God through their mind. See, we know God from our heart. Totally different thing. Your intellect will block you from ever having a relationship from Jesus. Religion will always stop you from really getting to know God. Always will, always has, always will. Jesus condemned every religion that was out there, and he still does today. And the Father, listen what it says. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, to those and to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. All right, my brothers and sisters, how many of us are, have burdens? And he wants us to come to him, who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Here's a problem in Christianity. People are not teachable. They think they already have the answers. So they, that's why he says you're going to become like a child. See, our intellect makes us think we know everything and that we're not teachable anymore. I already know all this. No, we know nothing. We have to unlearn everything we already know and become like a kid again and learn from the first grade up. All over again. Because it's useless. The world system is useless in Christianity. None of it applies. So we have to empty ourselves from it. The problem is we mix it. We try to mix our intellect with our spirituality. It's, it's, it's totally opposite of each other. Our, our, our spirituality is a total dependence on Jesus, and our intellect is totally dependent on ourselves to get us through life. And you can't mix that. You come out deformed, half-hearted. You're half-hearted. So I believe the Bible on some of the things, but some of these things like getting swallowed by a fish, I don't think that could ever happen because my mind tells me people can't get swallowed by a fish. Well, God's not human, and God's supernatural. He can do whatever he says he can do. I believe everything he did in the Bible. You believe he parted the Red Sea? There's people with intellect that Christians, oh, there's no way that could have happened. Oh, it happened. Who made it happen? God made it happen. No human being could ever make it happen, and no intellect could ever understand it. It's a spiritual thing. You have to just believe it. See, our intellect stops us from believing. We want to see everything tangible. And our spirit is based on our faith in Jesus Christ. Total opposite of each other.
<laughs> I love it. Now it says right here, take my yoke upon me, let me teach you, because I am humble. The only way we can get teachable is if we get humble. Humble, 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 humble. How many of us are still proud? Look how proud I am. Look, what I, look at my accomplishments in this world. Look at all I've done. You could have done nothing unless God gave it to you to do it. Nothing. God's given everything to us. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Everything I am today and everything I have today is a gift from above. He's given me the ability to do it. And he also holds me responsible and accountable to what? Use it properly. Now look what it says. I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your what? Souls, not your body. Rest for your souls. We, look, we work, work, work. Our body gets tired. But our soul is at rest when you're sitting down and just relaxing and just like, it's over. The world is out. Everything's out. Just you and Jesus in the church. That's it. It's so much, it's so much, there's so much more peace there than us going on the treadmill out there trying to get everything done. I got to get this. I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this, 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 that. Remember Martha and Mary? Martha said, how come Mary's not doing anything? I'm doing all the work. She's doing the... And Jesus said, she found what's important. And it's not going to be taken from her. She was just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Everybody thinks they're working for Jesus. No, Jesus works for us. So we don't have to work. The works that we do are a result, is the, is the, is the fruit of our salvation, the joy we want to help with the Lord. We don't do it grudgingly or out of obligation. We do it simply because we want to do it. When, the different motive. When you're in religion, it's out of obligation. You've got a bunch of religious robots running around in the church doing what religion tells you to do. Instead of just listening to the Bible, letting Jesus tell you what to do, finding your gift and using it, because everybody in here has a different gift. That's why Jesus doesn't make robots. Religion makes robots. Sit, stand, heal, kneel, this, that, this, recite this, recite that, do this and do that. Everyone in the church does the same exact thing every week. Amen? We've got a bunch of religious robots. Not one of them knows Jesus. Now, look what it says. I'm humble and, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give is light. So why do people in Christianity think it's so hard to do this? When it's really not. You just simply, what, sit at the feet of Jesus, let him teach you, and he gives you the power to do whatever he has you to do. And, and, you, and, you, and if you can't do something, you just say, I can't do it. Everybody wants to perform, perform to look good. Amen. Just relax. Take off the church face. All of us have to become like kids again. And Jesus will break you till you do. He'll break you and make you miserable until you get like a kid again and tap out and say, okay, Lord, teach me. I can't. I don't have this. I don't got it. You got it. How about a big amen there? All right. Where are we tonight? Are we? First Thessalonians, yep. chapter 3, as we're moving right along. Just let me uh, reiterate on a couple things before we go into it. 
for those who haven't been here through the beginning of the study, okay? So why is 1 Thessalonians really, really important for a believer? This is, 1 Thessalonians will tell you how to live as a Christian and explain it very well for you. Okay, everyone would like, right, to have some insight into what their future holds, right? How much more so when it comes to the end of the whole world? Right, everybody says revelations. We try to understand revelations, the end times, right? First Thessalonians provides Christians with the clearest biblical passage on the coming rapture of believers, right? An event that will inaugurate the seven-year tribulation. At the rapture, Christ will return for his people. The dead in Christ shall rise first, while those still living will follow close behind. All believers will meet Jesus in the air to begin an eternity spent with the Lord, as it's going to teach us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18, as we move on in the scriptures here. So what's the big idea about all this, okay? Impressed by the faithfulness of the Thessalonians, right, in the face of persecution, Paul wrote to encourage the Christians in that community Right? That the goal that they would continue to, that their goal was to continue to grow in godliness. Okay? Paul knew that the people had been exposed to errant teaching from those in opposition to the way of Jesus Christ. Right? And the grace of God. And Paul also understood that unless the young church continued to mature in their faith, the danger would only increase over time. That's why even Christians have to mature so they don't let the, what, the heresies take root in their heart and what stop them from growing. With that in mind, Paul taught the people that any spiritual growth would ultimately be motivated by their hope in the ultimate return of Jesus Christ. Paul was never interested in simply telling people to pull themselves up by the bootstraps, for he knew that what ultimately inspired change was a life of consistently walking in the power of God's Spirit. Okay? And so, to a group of young Christians with questions and uncertainties, Paul offered the hope of Christ's return, providing both comfort in the midst of questions and motivation to godly living. So, now how would we want to apply this today? Let's listen let's, let's up now. Do you ever feel as though your Christian faith has grown stale? Anybody, you know, you start to grow, you get to a place, and then you get to this sort of like a level state where you're just sitting there and absorbing the same thing day in and day out and never going anywhere. Well, that you are withering at the, on the vine when you would rather be flourishing in his service. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians is the perfect remedy for such a feeling. Okay? Its focus on Christ's return provides water for the thirsty soul today. Encouraging growth and maturity by providing hope in the midst of suffering or uncertainty. We live in a world right now of uncertainty. We don't know which direction everything's going in. We don't know whether, you know, what's going on out there. Everything's just crazy. It seems like it's just a free-for-all out there. Paul's specific practical instruction for this process of sanctification can be applied directly to our current circumstances. Okay? By clinging to our hope in Christ, we may see several clear results in our lives. 
avoiding sexual immorality, refusing to defraud others, refusing to talk about people and gossip about them, appreciating those Christians who serve on your behalf, refusing to repay evil for evil, and rejoicing always, and praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all things, to name a few. 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us these in 5 as we move on. This list, of course, is not exhaustive. There's way more. But the first letter to the Thessalonians makes it clear that every Christian should expect to grow in holiness over the course of his or her life. Not over month or week or year. Over their what? Life. This journey is a marathon, not a sprint. Everybody wants to be somewhere that they're not yet. So God always what? Knocks us back down again. Because we think we're somewhere high up here in the spiritual maturity. When he says, no, you're just a baby. Look, you're going to stop whining and complaining again. Back down again. Get back on your knees. You ain't all that in a bag of chips. That's, that's why it's a daily dependence on who? Jesus. So we, that's why he doesn't, what, complete us. Imagine if he completed us now. We just walk away. We're incomplete. Because he, the only thing that's going to complete us is a daily dependence on him. He's the only one that can fill the void. Amen. Although we try every other one first, and then we say, you know what? I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to learn about Jesus and walk in his ways. That's the only thing that's going to fulfill me. It's true. It's the truth. And the truth will set you free. Set you free from what? Set you free from you and your desire to find it. Once you find the truth, you don't know how to go anywhere else to get it. It's already here. You have everything you need. Why are we not content? Because the flesh will never be content in the spiritual life. Your flesh will never be content growing spiritually. That's why your flesh is always warring against your spirit. Because your flesh wants to accomplish things still out there. And your spirit doesn't, you say, I don't need to accomplish anything anymore. It's already been accomplished. What am, I, what am I going after? I ain't taking none of that with me. Everything I try to build today down here is not coming with me. But what I do for Jesus is. Like right now, when we're studying the Bible, look, we're, we're learning about Jesus now. We're taking this with us. Amen. Everything else is going to be what? Forgotten, a waste. Houses and cars and jobs and money and bank books and bank accounts. Guess what? Don't worry, somebody else is going to get that when you die. You ain't taking it with you. Whatever you're building down here, just remember one thing. Somebody else is going to take it and get it. That ain't coming with you. Guaranteed. So don't hold on to too much of it because somebody else is going to use it and squander it on you. Trust me. And then what you don't keep, the state's going to take anyway. You know how many people don't have a will? Right? They don't have a will. And then what? Whatever they have gets taken. Because people think, well, I'm not going to die. How do you know? You might walk out of here and be over. Nobody knows what's going to be. Only he, <laughs> only he knows. All right, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. This is some food for thought. Like all that stuff under the Christmas tree this year, right? You're going to open, whatever. That ain't coming. That's staying too. <laughs> you, know the, you know the list? Yeah. I'm going to ask your kid, what do you want for Christmas? 
they give you a list about this long, you know, $17,000 later. <laughs> and it's like, okay. You know how many people get stressed out at Christmas time because of that reason, buying gifts and gifts and gifts, they're going with the financial debt over it just to make other people happy because I want something for Christmas? You know what you need for Christmas? You need Jesus. That's the best Christmas gift you can get anybody. So when they open it up, you know what should be in there? A Bible. What's this? I don't want this. But this is all you need. You might not get what you want, but I'm giving you what you need. <laughs> it's funny how, I don't know, the, the Bible's not, the, the Bibles don't go, they don't sell more at Christmas time for some reason. They don't sell more Bibles at Christmas time. Don't you think that would be a good idea to just wrap a Bible and give it to somebody, whether they believe it or not? So you're going to need this someday. Trust me. All right, verse 1. We ready? Finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Now, is Christianity taught well enough to understand that every Christian is destined for troubles? No, they're not taught that. They're saying they're destined for blessings. Now, before we go on, trials, listen now, and troubles in life come for many reasons. Okay, sin, a lack of faith, the consequences of living in the falling world, and Satan's attacks. Sometimes God allows hardship to make us depend on him. Newsflash. Yeah. Experiencing problems and persecutions can build character. James 1, 2 to 4. Perseverance, Romans 5, 3 to 5. Insensitivity towards others who also face troubles. So if, ever, if, nobody, if we don't face troubles, then we don't have any empathy for anybody who does. So when we go through something, we can actually identify with them and say, yeah, I go through the same thing. See, he does that so we can be in communion together, community, so we can share each other's burdens. Or else you'll hear, have somebody on the side, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm always, there's nothing of that ever happening to me. And we get the comparing, right? But when everybody's broken, we got, <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. I, I identify with you. But Christians walk away when they get persecuted. Because why? They're not taught right. Religion and doing all that stuff doesn't what? Change your heart. You have to be taught that this is coming, to be prepared for it. Amen? Listen, problems are unavoidable for God's people. 
So use them to humble yourself before God and ask him to increase your faith. Also, take comfort that your troubles may actually be a sign of faithful Christian living. You ever think of that? I'm going through a lot of trouble down here because I'm living right. How about a big amen there? Well, what, why do Christians always think I'm going through, why am I going to go through this trouble? Well, if you're doing the right thing down here, you're going to face troubles down here. Let me tell you something. If nothing's going on in your life and everything's just a blessing, it's because you're just living with the devil and you're not causing an impact on the kingdom of darkness. But when you're causing a problem for the devil down here, he's, we're definitely going to run into problems. But when you're running with them, you're going to get blessed. Why do you think people get materially blessed so much? Because it what? Keeps them out of the God's plan. Because they're getting blessed and everything's going good. Why do I need Jesus? Why do I get to tell people about Jesus? Why anything? My life's good. But when there's problems, we reach for each other. We look for comfort. We go to the church. We get on our knees. We repent. Say, Lord, please. I need you. Okay? Verse 4. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did as you well know. Do I come up to this pulpit and tell you that you're always going to get blessed and no troubles are going to come to you? No, I never teach that in this church. So this is why when you're taught that, you can hang in there when the troubles come. No, I must be doing something right. Some people turn to God with the hope of escaping suffering on earth. Listen now. But God doesn't promise that. Some people go to God to what? Escape suffering. But God doesn't promise that. Instead, he gives us power to grow through our sufferings and learn that we are not alone. The Christian life involves obedience to Christ despite temptations and hardships. Can I get an amen here? So you're getting properly educated here so you don't have to walk away. What did, the, what did the nation Israel do when they started having problems out in the desert? Oh, it was better in Egypt. At least we were getting fed over there. We're going to wait for this manna and all these things over here. Right? People come to the Lord and start getting hot. You say, well, it was better before. I'm going to go back in the world. This is easier. A true Christian... We'll endure the hardships and just keep coming. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to separate the wheat from the chaff. That's how he separates it, by prob causing problems in life. Do you really have faith? Do you really want me? You're going to what? Stick with me no matter what. Those are the ones that really have a changed heart. Because it's not about what you give me. It's what I could give you. Jeez, what can I give back to you for all you've done to me, for me? Different motive, Amen. Okay, verse 5. There's so much here, I can't just keep going. That is why, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. See, he had to send Timothy to what? Find out, because he couldn't stay there, to see if the persecution drove them back out of the Christianity. Because Thessalonica was like America. You could make a choice to leave and just go back to anything else. 
You see, because it's because they because they were in a they were trying to live a Christian life in a fallen in a fallen nation, just like we're trying to live a Christian life in a fallen nation right now. Everybody thinks we're nuts as Christians right now. Like I said before, you tell people about Jesus and you say you got a Bible, they call you crazy and a Bible thumper. But if you're if you're growling and snickering and meowing like a cat, it's okay. <laughs> out there right now. I accept you like that. But you Jesus freaks, they stay away from us. Because you're doing the wrong thing. Stay away from them Bible believers. They're no good. Stick with the cat people. <laughs> That's what the world's looking at right now. It's our mainstream right now. Whatever, 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 whatever you say, you, they don't. You, you got to be careful. Anybody who knows in the, they work, they got to be careful how you address people. You can't say ma'am or she. You might have to. You know, can't say anything. You got to be careful. Or you can't say Merry Christmas. You might say oh, Happy Holidays. Or oh. you can't say anything. You might get sued for it. You see somebody going, yeah, and you look around, right? And so you're looking for a cat. And you're saying, no, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, people actually go to fathers putting whiskers in their face and horns in their, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're just going through something. Leave them alone. They're, not, they're harmless. No, they're not harmless. They teach other people to look do the same thing. <laughs> I can't, that's why I can't wait to come to church. It's crazy out there. When you're a Christian, it's like, wow, man, boy, do these people need Jesus. More than anything right now. <laughs> All right? Now look what it says. Now in verse 5, let me just go over this again. That is why when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your fate was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter, who's the tempter? Satan had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. How many times does the tempter get people out of the church? Now listen, before we go on. Because Paul could not return to Thessalonica, he had sent Timothy to be his representative, okay? According to Acts 17.10, Paul had left Thessalonica and gone to Berea, okay? When trouble had broken out in Berea, some Christians took Paul to Athens while Silas and Timothy stayed behind, Acts 17.13-15. Then Paul directed Silas and Timothy to join him in Athens Later, Paul sent Timothy to encourage the Thessalonian Christians to be strong in their faith in the face of persecution and other troubles. Now, Satan, or when I do the daily walk, Satan, the tempter, is the most powerful of the evil spirits. His power can affect both the spiritual world, Ephesians 2, and the physical world, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. Okay? Satan even tempted Jesus, though he failed. Remember Matthew 4, 1 to 11. So imagine Satan tempting God. 
Jesus defeated Satan when he died on the cross for our sins and rose again to bring us new life. At the proper time, God will overthrow Satan forever, like it tells us in Revelations 20, verses 7 to 10. We will be doing a study on Revelations when the time is right. Can I get an amen here? We will be when we're ready to do it, when we're ready to receive it, because there's a lot there. I, I, take, I start looking into it, I said, no, no, we're not ready for that. No, no. There's so much there. Okay, now listen. It's verse 6. But now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. Faith and love go together, you know that, right? Our faith gives us love. How do you know you have faith? Your love for one another. That shows your faith. That's the tangible evidence of your faith life is your love for God, for God's people, and the lost and dying world. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. That's what gives what? Any church new life. To see people standing firm when they see all hell breaking loose out there, they're not turning and walking away. They're staying strong. That's what keeps the church strong. So we have to what? Fight for the people that can't fight for themselves. The believers did a week in their faith. We don't want knocked them. We what? We pray for them. We what? We, we, we what? Hold this together for them so they can grow. We have to provide an environment for the weaker believers to grow. So what do we want? There's people on the back, just like soldiers in the army, right? The soldiers out there right now are keeping our country safe. We're not the ones fighting, but they're fighting for us so we can have a safe place to go. So what do we do? Same thing for us. We fight for the weaker Christians so they have a safe place to come. So they can grow. See, it's not about us. We're not here for us. We're here for them. We're here for Jesus. We're here for other people. We're learning to what? Be what? Disciples so we can what? help them get discipled and grow. We're not just here for ourselves. Most Christians keep getting this and getting this and never doing anything with it. And that's why they wither and fall at the wayside. Because they never do anything with it. Can I get an amen here? It's like get, being pregnant and not giving birth. That's uncomfortable. You sit in the pew year after year, David, and not doing anything with it, not bringing anybody to church, not asking anybody to church, not doing anything with the gifts God gives you. So you end up what? Miserable. Because you're not using what you've gifted you with. And that's what, that's what kills your faith. Your faith life dies. Because you're not using what God gave you the gift to use for the church. So you end up going back out and do your own thing. Okay. Now, during times of persecution or pressure, believers should encourage one another. Right now, in this world, we all need to encourage one another. You know the way the world is going. You know that people are crazy. Family members are crazy. It, it, the whole thing is nuts. I pray constantly 
For what? My family? Like the devil likes to get into our family. That's what he likes to do. He likes to cause division inside our families. You see? Once he can do that, right, then he weakens our faith. Because we think our family is more, more important than Jesus. But no, when we put Jesus first, he gives us the ability to what? Hang in there with our family and get them to Jesus. We have to pray constantly to our families to come to Jesus because Jesus might come back tomorrow. Imagine if we got families of unbelievers. They're not coming with us. Think of how important that is. I guess we don't realize at the times how important it is to have our family members believe in Jesus Christ. And for us to be the ultimate example of a changed life so they can be attracted to it. So they can see something that's worth coming to church for. Can I get an amen here? Instead of hearing, well, why should I go to church? You're no different. I don't see no change. So why should I bother? So it can't be real. But when there's a change and you're not doing the things you used to do, and when you're loving Jesus and people are seeing the difference, they're seeing Jesus inside of your life working, then they're saying, why, there has to be something to this. Can I get an amen here? That's why it's so important to live your fake life out, especially if you're in front of your family. You might be the only, the only hope they have to come in Jesus. Can I get any men here? As you know, the church should be full of people, right? Unfortunately, it's not because why? Because we're not seeing the importance of this. They're not seeing that this has to come first in life. This is, the, this is the essence of life right now. What you guys are saying, this is the essence of life. Following Jesus, following his ways, and what? Building his church. It gives us a purpose. You know, the very reason why we were created. Once you find your purpose... In life, then there's no need to look to search for anything anymore. You're not miserable. You're not one. You, you found, you're fulfilled. But if you're not looking for it, you'll never find it. So what's my gift? What does God want me to do? You look at the talents and the abilities that Jesus gives you, and you use it for his glory. He's given all of us talents and abilities. But they're for his glory, not yours. All I know is this. I'm faithful. I know I'm faithful to whatever I say I'm going to do. In other words, the Lord knows that, so I was faithful to the devil. I was faithful to the world system. But now I'm faithful to Jesus. That's my ability to be faithful no matter what. Sick, whatever's going on in my life, downcast, depressed, whatever it is, does not block my faith in Jesus. That's a gift. Because that can take anybody out. Depression. Bad job, all these things out there, seeing the kids going crazy. That does nothing. It doesn't do anything to me. My faith is in this. In Jesus, my only hope that anything's ever going to change is in this. Amen. Nothing else is going to change it. Nothing. Our only thing that's going to change it is Jesus. So what? I got to put all of it. This is a precious pearl. You put it right here. You put it all here. And you give it to him. And you leave the responsibilities in his hand after that. Say, Lord, I'm doing everything I can do, but I can't do only what you can do. Like get inside someone to change them. 
Prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Amen? All right. Now, like I just said in verse 8, it gives us new life to know that you're standing firm. Now listen, during times of persecution or pressure, believers should encourage one another. Christians who stand firm in the Lord are an encouragement to what? Ministers and teachers who can see the benefit of their work and those who remain faithful. And an encouragement to those who are new in their faith. You see, who can learn from the steadfastness, steadfastness of the mature people. You see what I mean? So the, the people that are not mature see, wow, look how faithful those people are. I want that. And then you want somebody else to start to come and get their faith and get stronger. Can I get any men here? Even if it's only one, it doesn't matter. If your whole life you only get one, you did what he called you to do. It doesn't have to be a million people. Just one. To invest your time and your life in helping somebody. And then you leave the rest in God's hands. Remember, Jesus said, shake the dust from his hand. If they reject it, you move on to someone else. But you never stop trying. The Bible says never give up. Never lose. Never, love never gives up. Never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance, even the ones you don't like. All right. Now we're saying in verse 9, how we thank God for you. Because of you, we've had great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again, to fill the gaps in your faith. All of us have what? Gaps in our faith. So when what? I come and I see people here filling the gaps in their faith. It brings what? It encourages me and brings me joy to keep doing it. And then we know that we're going up beyond the, by the way, you know, you're part of a ministry that goes way beyond this. You're encouraging other people now. Now that we have the, the little Osborns out there, they can see other people in here now. That There's other people, you see? And you see, there's, there's hope here. The world is in a bad way right now. They need hope. They need what? Peace. It passes all understanding. <laughs> now, Seeing another person come to faith in Christ and mature in their faith brings great joy to a Christian. I don't know about you, when I see that, there's nothing that, like I said before, it's like I got lifted off the ground to see somebody actually get this. Because you see so many not get it. They hear it, they hear it, they see it, but they don't get it week after week after week after week. They hear it, they hear it, they hear it, but they don't get it. And then somebody does get it. It's like, I got it. The switch comes on, and they want eager. They want to learn the Bible. They're reading the Bible. They're coming to Bible study. They say, wow, they got it. Caught a fish. <laughs> I went fishing, and I caught a fish. Because, you know, when you go fishing, right, when you really go fishing and you don't catch anything, you're, like, bummed out. So I didn't even catch anything today, you know? But when you catch a fish, you're, oh, look, I caught a fish. Everybody jumping up and down going crazy. It's the same thing in the Christian life. I caught a fish. <laughs> don't let it get away.
away. Keep that fish. Don't let that fish squirm out of your hands. Keep them. <laughs> don't, let the, don't, don't let Satan get the hook in them. Keep the Jesus hook in them. Because it's so easy, especially when a new believer comes in. How easy. You have to be real careful with your words and build them up slowly and encourage them. Treat them real like you got a baby them. Some people get too harsh on people when they first come in. They start hammering them with all this stuff. They're like, too much. They need the, the, the grace of God to work in their lives. Nice and easy. You can't give them what you got in one dose. And it takes a little bit more. Now. You have to understand, let the spirit, what, renew people, come. Easy, take it easy. You know, especially somebody young, like a baby, you've got to nurture them. Especially new Christians, amen? You've got to be careful what we do and how we say and how we act. All right. Paul experienced this joy countless times, okay? He thanked God for those who had come to know Christ and for their strong faith. He also prayed for their continued growth. Like I do that all the time. I come here and I pray for everybody to grow. If new Christians have brought you joy, thank God for them and support them as they continue to grow in their faith. Likewise, have you benefited from the ministry of others? Has someone's guidance and faithfulness stimulated you to grow in Christ? Consider how you may bring that person some word of encouragement or some thoughtful gift. Let, it, let that important person know that you have followed his or her example by being faithful to Jesus Christ. For some people, some don't have, they don't see a value of giving up your life for somebody. That's pro you can't get that back. Million dollars can't give you back your life. When you spend time with a person and you give them Jesus and you want to encourage them and you give them a piece of your life that you can never get back, that is worth more than any money. That should be like, be so thankful beyond thankfulness that people would actually spend that time with me, their time and their life to what build me up and make my life better. That's priceless. For some reason, people don't put their, their value on spirituality for some reason. Spirituality is priceless. You can't buy it. A million, a billion dollars can't buy spirituality. Can't buy peace, love, and joy, and all the fruits of the Spirit. Only a relationship with Jesus can do that. And someone's spending the time with you. To what? Builds you up. To fill the gaps in your faith. All right. Okay. Verse 11. May our God and Father and our Lord Jesus bring, you, bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. He's saying love, overflowing love. It's like, it's, it's, it's God's unconditional love. It's overflows. You just can't give enough. And you just... You have so much joy and love in your heart that it spills over into other people's lives. But when you don't do anything with your Christian life, you sit there and you're miserable and you complain and you talk about people and you talk about other people to try to feel better about yourself. 
Instead of what? Letting the love of God spill over into someone else's life. That's how you know you're filled with the Spirit. When somebody's, when your love overflows and spills out, not the death of misery and gossip and slander spilling out of your life. That's from who? That's from Satan and people in church do it. So you say, well, I go to church. Yeah, but you go to church, but you're still running with the devil. Talking about people and running them down and finding fault in everything you do. Oh, I can't believe they do this, this, this. And all they do is gossip instead of taking a good long look in the mirror. Can't do that. Then I might not like what I see. It's easier for me to see faults in others than in myself. Because it makes me feel better that I feel like look better than other people. Is that how Jesus would want you to be? Is that what you're learning in church? It seems like gossip and slander is the biggest sin in the church, thinking, no, it's not that bad. It's a little white sin. I talked about somebody. No, God hates that. He said that's one of the sins he hates. Gossip and slander and character assassination. Because I didn't get my way or they didn't do something I wanted them to do, I'm going to run them down. Is that love? No, that's the opposite of love. That's what? Malice and hatred, which is what? Not God's love. That's the devil. You can sit here and fake, try to be a fake Christian all your life, and all you do is talk about people and gossip and slander people and say, oh, I'm such a good Christian. I love Jesus. No, you don't. You love the devil. See, when you hate the devil, you don't do that. When you know when it comes, because everybody has it in them, saying, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I don't have anything good to say right now. That's how we what? Spill love over. When there's love in your heart, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. When people see you, they see Jesus because you're what? Full of life and, in, and you're happy and you're grateful for the, your life. Every day you wake up, you're thankful to God for you got up this morning. And I didn't take it for granted. It could be my last day. I'm going to see what God will have me do today. I want people to see Jesus today. And the only way they're going to see that is if you live the way he tells you to live. And put yourself and your selfish ways aside. And put your religion and your church aside. And act like Jesus would act. Actually put into practice what you're learning. Going to get an amen here. Okay. All right, we're going to have to stop there. We ended up at which one? Um, verse 12? All right, so we'll pick up with verse 13 as we get together again. Drew, you want to come up and close us? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for getting us all here safely, Lord. We're just so grateful for the message we can we can hear, Lord. I just thank you for Pastor John, Lord, who delivers the message that your Holy Spirit speaks through him. We're just so grateful that you have mercy and patience with us, Lord. Let yes. us have patience and mercy with ourselves so we can be patient and mercy, merciful with others, Lord. We're just grateful for the chance you give us every, every morning, Lord, to... Start over and, and do things right, Lord. Let, let us come to you humbly, Lord, and search your word daily, Lord, and 
every day, Lord, let us put you first, Lord, so we can have that peace and joy that others can see Jesus through us, Lord. We're just so grateful for the changes you are making in our lives, and let us continue to walk the walk that you died to get, give us. And I just pray that you watch over us and bring us back, Lord, to glorify and honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, bro. Thank you. All right. We're going to close, and we're going to watch a video.